Thank you, PY, for the wonderful introduction. Please remain standing. Sorry, please stand up. It's Pastor's Appreciation Month. And uh, we're going to pray for The book of Acts chapter 13, verse 1 says, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. By the way, the whole world, I believe, owes a debt of gratitude to the church at Antioch. There were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called the Niger or the black man. So for those who think there were no black people in the early church. <laughs> Lucius of Cyrene, Manningen, who had been brought up by Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And the result of what they did, Acts chapter 14, we can all read that whole 13 and 14 at home. Verse 26 to 27 says, From Atalea, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. We've talked about how Agape House is wonderful, is great, but God wants other people to experience what we're experiencing. And I believe the Lord, we know this because we had prophecies, and I believe pastors shared this, which is probably what happened in Acts chapter 13. They were praying, and the Lord released a prophecy to release the best from that church to go out to the world. And I believe that is where Agape House is today. And we all need to participate. It's not work of one person or two people. It is the church backing up these people. So I want us to pray this morning. We're going to go before God. You can start praying now. For God to grace these two. For God to grace our pastors, Pastor Gideon and Pastor Bimbola, for the assignment he's calling them to. We all know it's tough to run just one church. But the Lord is saying, you know what? You have been faithful with the little I've given you. Now I'm expanding the work. I want us to pray that God will give them the grace. The same way he graced Apostle Paul for this work, for the work, that the Lord will give them the grace, will give them the wisdom. They need people. Rasata. They need people. They need people. They need resources. They need resources. You know, we sang a song this morning. It is God who turns bones into armies. He's the one who makes a way where there is no way. Where he makes a, a highway out of seas. You know, we're talking about a church in Houston. Ah, that the Lord will open up the way. Yes, there are people in Houston who need agape house of worship. You know, Sister Cassandra just read, just shared how she was looking, hopping. There are people in Houston right now going from church to church to church. They need this experience that we have. They need a family. There are people in North Carolina, you know, that need a place. Let's just ask God to provide, to open up, to grace these ones. In the name of Jesus. Father, you have called this to be. We ask, oh God, Lord, fulfill this vision. Make it happen. Only you can. You are the only one who can do it. Victory belongs to Jesus. Yes, Lord. Father, we want to see this victory. We want to see it for Agape House of Worship. Family of churches. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. We have prayed. Thank you, everyone. You may have your seats. Yes. Thank you, PJ and Pastor Bimbola. 
chances are they are probably watching this, even though they're supposed to be on a retreat. So I want to thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to do this. Thank you for the Board of Trustees and the committee for choosing me to, to, to do this. And uh, the theme of it is the mark of a shepherd. I'll get to that in a second. But I believe once I got the call and I was asking God, you know, what do you want me to talk about? I was, I was actually on a drive or something. And just a few seconds, it says, sons of God. I'm thinking, Father, what do you mean? And then, you know, boom, gives me the title and gives me a couple more titles, which by God's grace, in a Bible study or something, I'll be able to kind of finish up on those things. Um, all right, so the title for today's sermon is uh, Sons of God, God and His Offspring. And um, we're going to start off from Acts chapter 17. And I'll just give us a quick background and then we'll go. So, just what I read, and, you know, the Apostle Paul starts his ministry going from place to place, and he goes to a place, you know, he starts, wins some converts, persecution comes, he moves to the next town, stuff like that. So, he winds up in a place called Athens, Greece. By the way, if you are thinking of uh, having a vacation, I don't know why I'm plugging this for Athens, Greece, this is a good time to go. The dollar is strong, it's powerful. Probably stronger than the euro now. It's a good time to go to Athens. And I've heard from people who actually go to Greece and Turkey, some of these things that we're talking about actually exist. They're there. So it's not, the Bible is not made up stories. These things are there. So if you're really one of those people who really want to go and you're looking for a place to go, go to Athens. You'll find some of these things we're talking about. So in verse 16 of Acts chapter 17, which I'll start reading up from, it says, while Paul was waiting for his people in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. It's amazing to me that things haven't changed much. You know, you just turn on your TV screen and you should be distressed at what you see every single day. What they're pumping up out there, how you can't just, you know, even what they call family channels. The things that, uh, you know, our kids are exposed to. It's just almost unbelievable. The things we talk about these days, is, 20 years ago, we wouldn't even talk about them. So the city was full of idols. It was obviously greatly distressed. So what did Paul begin to do? He began to reason in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks. Not only that, he went to the marketplace the public square. And day by day, he began to talk to the people who were there. You know, just bringing it to this time, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, although Facebook is getting old these days. But. So in the process, he, ran, he came across a couple of philosophers who began to debate with him. And some of them said, what is this babbler trying to say? You must remember Athens is like the birthplace of actually almost like the civilization we have now. All the great thinkers then, Socrates, Plato, came from those places. So the democracy that we have, the style of government, those are people who started it off. The Romans adopted it. Then the British, then obviously the Americans. And there's 
I'll stop there. All right. So they said he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching <laughs> the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they said, you know what? Wow. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. So they had a council where they discussed ideas, you know, and he said, they said, you are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who live there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. The amazing thing is not much has changed. We spend a lot of time what has gone viral, right? What's the latest thing? What's the latest trend? What is trending? Oh, let's pour ice on our heads to celebrate something. Then after that, let's do one dance. We are all constantly spending time, a lot of times, doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So Paul then stood up in this meeting and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. Most of humanity is religious, one way or the other. I can guarantee that maybe 90% of people believe there's a God somewhere. Even the atheists, when, you know, things suddenly, they're like, you know, they're about to get into an accident or they fall sick, all of a sudden now, God, if you are there. <laughs> but that's the problem. People are religious. And they are worshiping. But they don't know who they are worshiping. I want to ask us today, in this building and online, do you know the person you are worshiping? Do you know God? It is very possible to worship God and not know him. In John 4.22, there was a discourse between Jesus and the woman at the well. You know, Jesus shows up, or Jesus is by the well, the disciples had gone to get some food for him, and this woman comes there, and Jesus is talking to the woman, and one of the first things Jesus says is, if you knew the gift of God and the person talking to you, you would ask him something. If you really knew God, when you come into his presence, you will ask him something. Some people, oh, no, I just, this sanctimonious thing. Uh, I just want to worship God. God, I don't need anything from you. I'm just a pure worshiper. I don't ask God for anything. You don't know him. If you knew him, you will ask him something. Do you know how many people know the President of the United States and leverage that relationship? 
Do you know how many people are trying to know? <laughs> I love that. So Jesus told the woman, because the woman now said, you know what, okay, I see you're a prophet. She now threw something like a curve to say, hey, you just say it is in Jerusalem that we should worship. But, you know, we think it's this mountain. You guys say it's Jerusalem. Jesus now said, you Samaritans worship what you don't know. We Jews know, but you guys don't know. Anyways, a time is coming when you won't worship in Jerusalem or this mountain. Because if you really know him, your worship can be anywhere. So I have a personal question for everyone hearing me. Do you know God? Who is God to you? Who do people say God is? What have people told you about God that you believe? Jesus was after, you know, after almost like, I think a year and a half in his ministry. That's just me putting out the number there. Just one day, just turned to his disciples and said, who do people say I am? And then, you know, they kept, they are, some people say, ah, you are Jeremiah. Some people say you are Elijah. Some people said you are John the Baptist. And I'm thinking to myself, the guy just died. And obviously, it's a 30 something. How can you say? So that's how warped people can be in who they think God is. Have you heard that you have to earn God's love? That it's only after you've done these so many things that God can love you or bless you. That is a lie. Have you heard that God is not interested in you? He's a God that's far off. He doesn't care. There are too many others. I mean, there are are serious problems in Ukraine, in Somalia, in Uganda. He doesn't have time for you. That's another big lie. God has the capacity to manage the entire universe and solve your personal problems. So, Paul then says, you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. This Acts chapter 17. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He made the world. He owns it. I know you've heard this stuff about Satan being the God of the world, but God made the world and he owns it. He owns the real estate. He owns everything. He owns everyone. He does not live in man-made temples and buildings. This building is perfect. It's wonderful. I love it. But God doesn't live here. 
when we all show up, he shows up. Because it says where two or three are gathered, there is Isaiah 66, 1 to 2, the Lord says, Heaven is my throne. The earth is but a footstool. What building, really, are you going to build for me? You can't contain me. In fact, the entire place. Have you seen a footstool? Ah, there's no, Okay. But you know what I mean, right? You have to say a king on his throne. Very soon they are going to do... Uh, it's a year from now, though. Or six months. They will, I guess, do the coronation for the new king of England. Then you see pomp and pageantry on display. So it's just his footstool. The book of Nahum, so I think chapter 2, says, The clouds in the sky are but the dust of his feet. So think about the God you are dealing with. God does not need anything. He has absolutely no needs. In fact, he is the giver of everything who satisfies every need. I know people have issues with that. You're like, God, those people are so bad. How come you are still blessing them? Because God created them, and he's still going to supply their needs, just like he will supply your needs. Matthew chapter 6, if we can read that real quick, I'll, I'll just pick a few scriptures from that. From verse 25 to 24, to 34, the Lord speaking, this is Jesus speaking, because Jesus came to just correct some of these things that we hold up in our heads. Says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, Jesus is talking, he's, not, he's just talking generally. This is on the, on the Sermon on the Mount. He's not even asked for people to get born again. He has not even done that just yet. But he's telling them, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life, is not life more than food and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in brands. Yet who? Your heavenly Father feeds them. And he says what? That is, uh, I think somewhere else it says, that is sparrows that are here today, gone tomorrow. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Designer or not designer? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, with all his designer of that time, along his splendor, was dressed like one of these. I mean, have you seen, have you seen beauty? When you just look and you see beauty, and then compared to somebody who is designer top to bottom, it's still not the same. Nature is more beautiful than anything else man can do. That's why we take vacation and go to the beach. To see. So if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? 
you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. So God is the giver of everything. He does not need anything. In fact, let me read that scripture because I think there's something the Lord wants me to point out. Acts chapter 17, verse 25. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. God really doesn't need, and I have to qualify this very well, doesn't need our service in the sense of some of us do this stuff as if, oh, we are trying to, oh, we have to, we are trying to please God, we are working for this as if the Lord needs that. No. You get to do it. God just wants to partner with you to do it. It's not as if he needs you so badly, he can't get somebody else to do it. Or he can't do it by himself. He just wants to partner with you and get you to walk with him and become like him. Now, this is where I'm actually going with this today. For those who follow these things, they just gave the Nobel Prize for medicine and uh, physiology is called to a guy, a scientist, I think a European scientist, whose research was about DNA and the origin of man. So when I saw that, I'm like, oh, interesting. Okay, this confirms what I'm trying to do. Although I suspect it's coming from a different perspective. Verse 26, again, we are talking about God. It says, from one man. He made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out the appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. So from one man, God made all the different nations, all the races, all the tribes, all the cultures. God made them. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian. And even in that, if you notice, and uh, okay, Pacific's. Please, Pacific guys. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. Even in all that, there, if you notice, there are even still differences, even in the midst of all that people. You know, that's why Africans hate it when some Americans think Africa is one giant country. No. There are many. Many Africans. Very different. Different languages, different cultures. What is taboo in one is what they do, I mean, what they are just so happy about in the other, in the other tribe. But God made all these different nations, races, tribes, and cultures because our God is a God of variety. He's a God of variety. Now, the interesting thing about this is he marked out the appointed times in history, and this blows me away, and the boundaries of their lands. Meaning God chose when you should live and where you should live. He knew very well 
that you will not survive in 1802. Some of our children would not have survived in 2000 because they are so, if you can't give it to them, it's something they can scroll. It's like, man, you seize their phone and it's like, my world has come to an end. And I'm thinking, man, 40 years ago, there was no cell phone, I think. So God knows, like, some of you just can't be farmers. Man. Oh, man. Or some of us can't be, pardon the porn, real shepherds of real sheep. You know? But we can be, you know, God's shepherd for the people of God. So he determined that. The interesting thing also is he determines where you should live. Some of us are Americans today and we would never have dreamed in our lives to be Americans today. That's God. He determines where people should live. I'll give a quick testimony. I remember when I was looking for a house and obviously my wife knows this and a few people. You know, and that was the time of uh, the real estate thing going on and we saw a place, we thought, oh, this would be the place. Lovely place and all that stuff. And the guy wanted to sell, but obviously that was the time he was in debt and stuff like that. And the thing just didn't go through. And I remember our lawyer said, he doesn't understand. They should be taking a limo to carry you to the house, as in they should be excited you want to buy their house. But it just didn't happen. I brought my parents from Nigeria. They prayed around the army, did all sorts of crazy stuff. <laughs> this is our house. But it just didn't go through. It just fell through. I mean, we were all dejected. My wife was dejected. And then a few weeks after, we were just scrolling Zillow. And then I just saw this. And I'm like, hmm, you know, this may be it. My wife went to check it out. She liked it. So and I said, ah, I need to know. I need to go there. And I went there. And as I was praying to God, this scripture just came. That's how I knew. The Lord just dropped it. He has marked out the appointed times in history and where they should live for the boundaries of their lands. So if you're looking for a house or where to go, the Lord knows. He has a place for you. He does. If he told Abraham, this land is yours, and he promised us till today, God has something for you. Amen. Verse 27, the interesting thing about all this stuff is always baffling to me how God thinks. It's good to know how he thinks because how he thinks is very different from the way we think. We kind of have to play catch up. In verse 27, it says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. God did all of this stuff because we are his offspring. He wants the best for us. He wants you to seek him, reach out for him, and find him. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. 
in him. God is too big. So this whole building is in God. This whole state is in God. This whole United States of America is in God. The entire planet is in God. For in him we live, we move, and have our very being. But the interesting thing he says is, we are his offspring. Every human being is his offspring. Why? He made us all from Adam. Because of time, but I think I have some time. Luke 3, let me just prove this for us real quick so that we see this. In Luke chapter 3, you know, when you see all this, this is one of these things I just keep a lot of time when I'm reading scripture that man, where I have to read this. The begats or the lineage. But God did that so that people would know where they came from. There's a lot of stuff. I know you've heard of all this evolution stuff. But the Lord made sure that somebody documented so that when all these things come around, at least there's evidence of where people came from. So in Jesus' genealogy, I'll just caught some of it so that we don't, you know, get stuck in the weeds. From verse 34 to 38, it says, the son of Jacob, we all know who Jacob is, who is the son of Isaac, who is the son of Abraham. So we know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham was the son of Terah, who is the son of Nahor, son of Serug, son of Ru, son of Peleg, son of Eber, son of Shelah. The son of Canaan, son of Aphaxa, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, popular guy, son of Lamech, son of Methuselah, son of Enoch, son of Jared, son of Mahalel, son of Canaan, son of Enosh, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. So every human being on the planet is God's offspring. Now you see why God cares so much about man. The psalmist had to ask, what is man that you are mindful of him? Why did Jesus have to come? Because we're his family members. That was the original design. That's your worth. So in the process of preaching the gospel to someone, always remember their worth. Even those who hate you. Even those who are committing the, the, the gravest sin. At the end of the day, they are still God's offspring. So this thing of racism, classism, all these things, is wrong. God is such a good father, he is absolutely crazy in love with you. Yes, you, as a person, he is. But also, those created to be his family. God loves people, and he wants us to love people too, no matter their station in life. 
He gave a whole chapter in Luke 15 describing this. Because Jesus used to hang out every now and then, probably a lot of times, with sinners. And the religious people of those, they just couldn't, I'm like, they're like, this guy does miracles, but then he's hanging with sinners. You know, like this, they just think, maybe his powers come from, and they did suggest it from the other side, because we can't reconcile this guy. But Jesus saw their value. And he gave parables when they asked him that question. Because of time, Luke 15, he gave the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the son. And I was meditating. The Lord now gave me things. It's interesting. He says, I talked about lost sheep because sheep symbolizes ignorance. They don't know. The most brilliant person who is not saved still doesn't know. I just proved to you that a lot of people don't know God. They don't know. They were crucifying the Lord of glory, and the Lord had to tell, the Son had to tell the Father, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. So when you're at work, they are backbiting you, or they're, you know, just causing trouble for you, or they're persecuting you. I know it's tough. But just go to God and say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Yes, if it's your mother-in-law, father-in-law, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. It looks as if they do, but they don't. It's ignorance. And they've testified here. That's why, you know, we are pastors we are shepherds, and I thank God for the life of Pastor G.D. Lowry and his wife. If not for them, I wouldn't be here today. I, you know, sometimes I just pinch my and I'm like, wow, I'm preaching. Some people call me bishop. <laughs> wow. I'm sure they are, well, they may be watching this. Some of my classmates will be like, Wow. But that's the story of a lot of us here, right? Because we were ignorant, but the Lord sent a shepherd. But it doesn't stop there. God also wants you to become a shepherd to someone else. The parable of the lost coin, it says people are valuable. That's why I was talking about coin. So you ship and then coin to tell value. So we don't care if they lose sheep. But money, oh my God. They will search. They can't lose money. I mean, you, you borrow money for them and you say you're going to return it in uh, 30 days. Day 28, they're already sending you text. Don't forget. So people are valuable to God. But the interesting thing is that the Lord did not stop there. He could have stopped the parables there. He now gave the parable of the lost son so that we realize they are not just animals. They are not just money. They are family. People are family. And it doesn't matter whether they are white or black 
or Hispanic, they are your family. At work, Agape has a worship. We have to be witnesses. They are the only, we are the only ones they have, if you're a believer at work. You're the only ones, and they're watching. You are the only ones they have. Some of us, we've had these people, they've been working with us for years. They don't go to church. They don't know God, or they, they think they do. We should reach out to them. I believe it was the church in Jerusalem after they were scattered in the book of Acts. They went out, you know, they just spread out. But they kept on, some of them were talking to Jews and Jews and Jews only, like our kind. That's just the one that stand. But after a while, some of them started taking risks and started talking to people of other race, Greeks, Gentiles. And that is how the church in Antioch that we just read about was formed. Literally, people were just talking to other people that were different from them. So we need to ask God, if you don't have the love already, for love for people, that God help me to see. Help me to see my white boss at work as a family member that is lost. May this never happen to us. Have you seen people who have lost their children? What they would do? What lengths they would go to? We just had one, right? Some guy took a girl to Utah somewhere. They was, I guess they were married or something. And then whatever argument they had, the girl died, whatever he did, we don't know. And every, I mean, the whole thing went wild looking for this person. That is the way God sees people. So we as believers are not reaching out to dirty, rotten sinners and enemies of God. That's not. We are reaching out to lost family members. They may be functioning as a dirty, rotten sinner or an enemy of God. That may be their function now. But that does not mean that's what they were created to be. No. So, we must, as children of God, see the lost as God's family and figure out ways of talking to them about it. You have to. It takes wisdom. They're sheep. They're ignorant. Demonstrate the love of God. Respond to them. If somebody at work tells you something, you should you know, share something with you, please. That's the clue. And we should pray for that. I mean, I'm hoping by now we pray for people at work. Please, if you are not, please, move your own prayer points to number two. I'm begging you. And move them to number one. And watch God solve all of that together. So finally... The apostle ends, Apostle Paul in Acts 17, ends his discourse 
by saying, therefore, since, in verse 29, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design or skin or scale, an idol that doesn't talk, an idol that's just in one place. God talks. God will talk to you about people. That's the gift of prophecy. Sometimes it's just talking, it's not even a gift, it's just talking to you to save somebody. We should pray for those encounters. God is not mute. God speaks. We are his copy. That's what he's saying, right? Since we're his offspring, we are made in his image, meaning we are his copy. You can talk. I can guarantee you God can talk much more. You can hear. God can hear much more. You can move. You can walk. God can do all those things much more. So why would we think that God doesn't care, or God doesn't see, or God doesn't talk? Why are we scared? Now, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance from every one of us. It's like, okay, this is by ignorance. I'm going to overlook it. But now, things have changed. He commands everyone everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. There's too much injustice for a good father not to judge the world. We see it every day. From people being murdered, pedophilia, sexual immorality. I mean, we can count them all. The interesting thing is, the day is set. We just don't know. But the day is set. And this is what I'm saying about how God thinks. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. In God's mind, Jesus' resurrection in 33 AD, that's proof. If you like, don't believe it. But that's proof that a day is set. When all we see, all we know of, won't matter anymore. It will be who is in charge of your life? Who is the Lord of your life? Have you seriously considered and made Jesus the Lord of your life? Because he's the only one who can save you from the coming wrath. He's the only one who will save you from the mess that's going on right now. Can we stand? I want us to just talk to God. He's your maker. If you're watching online, if you can stand, stand. If you can't, just, just talk to him. I want to make an invitation. If you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, if he's not in charge, this is your time. 
He made you. He loves you. A day has been set. But the intention of that day was not for any single human being to feel his wrath. Hell, I'm sure you've heard of it before, was actually designed and created for the devil and his angels and his demons. That was what it was designed for. It was never designed for any human being. But anyone who does not have Jesus as their Lord, by definition, has the devil as their Lord. And you will follow him into his destiny. So, if you're in the building, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, please raise your hand. I will pray with you. Church, if you have already made the Lord of your life, made him Lord of your life, please pray for this once. That the Lord will forgive their sins. The Lord will accept them. Cleanse them from all unrighteousness and take charge of their life from today going forward. If you are praying that prayer, just say, Father, I'm sorry, forgive me. I want you to be Lord of my life. Take control. Save me from my sins. Thank you for accepting me into the family. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. If you are watching online and you made that decision, they're going to put something on the screen. Please just, we want to connect with you and let you know about what you signed up for. God bless. Thank you, everyone.